Ephesians chapter 5, our text this evening will be verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's seek our God in prayer once more. Our Father, we do ask that you would enlighten us by your Holy Spirit to see what Christ has done for us as we look to this text in Ephesians. Please illumine us. And please be with me, give me the words to express accurately uh, with your word um, what Christ has done for us and how we are to live in grateful response to his grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Make sure you don't leave your car keys in your pocket. Make sure your toothpaste tube is not larger than 3.4 ounces. And make sure that you're wearing shoes that can be easily taken off and put back on again. If you had given these instructions to somebody living in the 1950s, they probably would have scratched their heads and had no idea how these various commands related to each other. But speaking to a congregation in the year 2023, many of you probably understand that behind all of those commands, there is the background of airport security. You are at Port Columbus International Airport, and I am giving you instructions on how to get through security smoothly without uh, running into problems. As we come to our text this evening, we find several commands that, that Paul makes, and these commands might seem at first glance uh, to be a sort of miscellaneous collection of commands that he's giving, uh, to walk as those who are wise, to not be drunk with wine, to give thanks, to submit to one another. What are all of these commands? How are all of these commands related to one another? And I would suggest to you that we are in a, a position analogous to somebody receiving instructions about what to do to prepare for going before going to the airport. That if you have a, a, a background, that these various commands will, will piece together and, and cohere together, and we'll see a relationship between them. Now in this text there are various backgrounds that people have proposed and I'm not suggesting that there's only one background that would would help us in interpreting this text. Uh, some have proposed a, a, a background of, of pagan uh, banquets and feasting in which people are getting drunk and then they begin singing inappropriate songs and Paul is here offering a a counter model to, uh, to that sort of behavior. And that very well may be the, the context in which there are other, uh, other people in the background. The, uh, just as we have nightclubs and all sorts of uh, venues today where we might find that kind of behavior, 
in, in ancient Ephesus, there would have been that as well. But I want to uh, suggest to you another background that uh, in, uh, seems to be informing this text. And that is the background of worshipers in the temple. The priests and Levites worshiping God in the temple. And uh, we'll, we'll get to, to developing that and, and why that, that might be the case. But as we, we look then at, at our text, we will uh, focus then specifically on, on the command to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul enumerates several ways of, of how that looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And for this evening, I will summarize that as be filled with the Spirit by being singing sages who submit to one another. One of the ways or the ways that we are called to be filled with the Spirit are by being singing sages who submit to one another. In the background of our text, there is uh, the, the context of the temple and the wisdom that is found in the presence of God. Uh, we, we see that in, in the, uh, the structure of our, our text, the way Paul uh, opens it. He gives three commands that are roughly parallel with one another. Uh, don't do this, but rather do this. Uh, don't do this, but rather do this. Don't do this, but rather do this. And here we see the, the wisdom aspect coming out. Verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17, so then do not be foolish on the one hand, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but rather be filled with the Spirit. We have these, these three uh, pairs that, that Paul gives us. And what's, what's emphasized, what's common between them all is this idea of wisdom. Not as unwise, but as wise. Not as foolish, but as understanding the will of God. And not as those who are intoxicated with wine, those who have had their, their judgment hindered by some substance, but rather those who judge rightly and who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are able to uh, judge rightly. And so there is the, the explicit reference to, to wisdom here. And there's also that, that reference to not being intoxicated with wine. It's a phrase that appears in the Greek translation of Proverbs. And so there seems to be a, a wisdom tradition undergirding our text. But also, there is this uh, priestly and Levitical theme as well. That not only is the king's son of Proverbs uh, instructed not to become intoxicated, but so are the priests. You remember Nadab and Abihu and how they entered to uh, offer incense to the Lord, but they offered incense which was uh, strange, which was not the prescribed incense which they were supposed to offer. And the Lord killed them. And shortly or immediately after that passage, the Lord says this to Aaron. Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you do not die. It is a permanent statute throughout your generations. 
and to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. And so as to teach the sons of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. Some have looked at that passage and then come to the conclusion that perhaps Nadab and Abihu were were drunk. This is the reason that they offered strange fire. They weren't judging rightly and they were under the influence of alcohol. And that that is a possibility in in explaining uh, that that text. But whatever the case, it's a a priestly injunction that you don't drink alcohol as you go into into the tabernacle to do service to the Lord. A similar command is again repeated in Ezekiel, as Ezekiel is describing this this end of history temple that the Lord is going to establish for his people, the priests are described as not drinking wine when they enter into the inner court. And so these are these are ways that the the text has this perhaps priestly Levitical background behind it. And this comes out even more when we consider that Paul uh, tells the Ephesians to sing, uh, to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Today we may take for granted that it's the whole congregation that sings together when we meet for worship. But you remember that in the Old Testament it was especially the Levites who were charged with the music. Asaph and Ethan and Heman. That these uh, men representing the various clans within the tribe of of Levi were tasked with uh, making music to the Lord in the temple. And now Paul is giving this command to these Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit speaking to us gives this command to us. That we are called to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That this task which was once reserved specially for the Levites, this this temple task of those who lived in the temple, those who worked in the temple, now is given to us as we are brought into the temple to serve. As we are brought, made made not only uh, the temple itself, but also those who, who serve God in the temple. We see the, the wisdom and priestly or Levitical Backgrounds intersecting with each other when we consider that Ethan the Ezrahite was renowned for his wisdom, that Haman was a, the king's seer, and that these men prophesied with lyres, harps, and cymbals. So, with that background in place, first consider what this means for us. If if uh, this was something that belonged to Levitical singers, this wisdom tradition of those in the temple who worship God, who prophesy, who are the king's seers. And now Paul is saying to the church, you be wise. You be filled with the spirit. You sing psalms and hymns. This is to say to the church that we are those who serve God in the tabernacle and in the temple. And consider what a, a privilege this is. And consider what, what is uh, assumed by this, that Paul can, in, uh, can uh, not just invite, but command the church to participate and fulfill this duty. That through Jesus Christ, our sins having been forgiven, 
We are, we are brought in and we are sanctified so that we can be in the temple worshiping our God and not be consumed by fire. That we can be in the presence of God, that we can worship him, that we have full access in the spirit to the Father. We are perfected and we are holy as we serve him through Jesus Christ. And consider what is assumed in the, in the command to be filled with the spirit. This assumes that, one, we, we have the Spirit, and two, that we can be filled with the Spirit. That Jesus Christ has, has risen from the dead, has ascended on high, has given us his Spirit through communicating uh, himself to us by means of the Holy Spirit. And now we have the, the privilege of being filled with that Spirit, of being directed by that Spirit in all of our actions. And so... This is, this is the Christian's privilege in Christ to have temple access, to be able to come near to God and to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So then if this is our, our great privilege to be able to serve God in his temple, if the Levitical task of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs has now been given to us. Uh, what, uh, wh- how then do we, we seek to fulfill that, that calling as a royal priesthood, as Levites serving in the temple? First, we are called to be sages. I, I've tried to draw out the connection between the Levites and the wisdom tradition that those who served in the temple were those who um, were given wisdom. You can think of of Psalm 73 where the psalmist is trying to work through how is it that these wicked men prosper in life. And and this is so so confusing. And then he goes to the temple. The Song of Asaph, one of the the Levitical singers. He goes to the temple and then he discerns their hearts. And so as those who uh, seek to be filled with the Spirit, we must be sages. We must give ourselves to wisdom and to the learning of wisdom. And the learning of wisdom, the beginning of all wisdom, is the fear of the Lord and the fear of of Christ. Recognizing that all of life is to be lived in in subjection to Christ, that we have been redeemed by Christ, but then that there is also this now call to us to live in a certain way. And that may be described as the fear of the Lord. And all of scripture is of use to direct us in that. But especially the the wisdom literature. In the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, that there's a whole genre of scripture that's given to us to help us in this pursuit of wisdom. And these books can give us very, uh, very uh, commonplace insight or or insight that comes from very... uh, natural places. As we read the book of Proverbs and as we study it, we begin to see the whole world as, as being able to teach us wisdom, as communicating to us something about God's character and about the way he's made the world. As we dive into God's word, God's word directs us to go to the ant and to study an anthill and to learn wisdom. That as we walk in the meadow, we are taught to look at the birds or to look at the daisies and to learn wisdom from these things. 
the whole universe has a moral order that God has placed within it. That the, the, the creation is not this neutral, uh, raw material that we come to and we can do with whatever we like, that God has, has made it a certain way. And certain things happen when you do one thing versus another. There are certain outcomes and there are certain results. And that we can, as we pursue wisdom, as our minds are renewed in Christ, we begin to discern that, that moral order that God has placed. Uh, if you plant an apple seed, an apple tree will grow. If you don't plant your crops in the springtime or in the summertime, you're going to go hungry during the harvest time. And we begin to see this, this pattern, this moral order that God has placed within the universe. And this, too, is, is part of our walking in wisdom. It's, it's all, all part of our, our call as Christians to bring all of life under the direction of the scriptures. So first, we're covering a, a desire to walk in wisdom, going through the wisdom literature, and then as wisdom literature directs us, even going through the creation order around us and studying how these things reveal God's character. Secondly, in being filled with the Spirit, we are called to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and to sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. So not only are we called to be sages, but we are called to be singing sages. That we are called to be a people who have a song on our lips. We can think about further how is it that we are to become this singing people, these singing sages who walk around. What kinds of songs should we be singing? Paul tells us that these are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And folks debate whether or not this is uh, limited to a reference to the Psalter or whether it includes other Christian hymns as well. But we can say it at least includes the Psalter. And that we should love the Psalms. These are the, the, the psalms, the songs that Jesus Christ shares with his people, that we can sing them too. These are inspired by God, and that we ought to learn to delight in them. Even the imprecatory psalms, even the psalms that we like to skip over, or the psalms that uh, we might feel uncomfortable reading or praying or singing. Interpreted in the light of Christ, there is a proper way to sing these psalms. So we are to sing spiritual songs, including the Psalter, and we are to sing them together. Uh, look, at, look at what Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is more than just turning on the radio and singing along to uh, the Christian radio station that you're listening to. Now, that's fine. By all means, go ahead. Do that. Uh, that's part of uh, a private, personal devotion to the Lord with your heart. But don't let it end there. It should also be brought into the corporate context, what we do in worship, but perhaps even taking it outside of our Sunday gatherings, considering whether or not our Bible studies should use the addition of a psalm or hymn with one another. Or if you uh, have a family, could your family devotions use the addition of a psalm or a hymn after the dinner hour? 
furthermore, the way that we sing these psalms with one another is also with the heart. We are not called to just uh, go through the words and and let our minds wander. Uh, This way of being filled with the Spirit is not some some empty ritual where we just, oh, I I sang a psalm this morning, therefore I am filled with the Spirit automatically. But rather it's, it's the engagement of the mind and the heart as we sing these songs with understanding. Closely related to being a singing sage is to be a thankful sage. You can give thanks to God while you are singing, and you can also give thanks to God in other ways as well. And this is another way that we are told uh, that we are filled with the Spirit. Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And so we can begin singing to one another, but we can also become thankful people, people who always have a word of thankfulness and thanksgiving on their tongues, whether it's in song, whether it's in conversation with one another, or whether it's especially in our prayers as these thanksgivings should be addressed to God uh, through Christ. And we can consider how much we have to be thankful for. We have all of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. We have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have a Savior who is patient with us. We have a Savior who makes us uh, into his temple and makes us servants in his temple. He has uh, elected us in Christ, loved us from eternity. God has set his steadfast love on us so that it will never change. And so he has given us all of these spiritual blessings in Christ. And he has also given us all of our day-to-day temporal blessings. Think about how many things, just on the the temporal scale, you have to be thankful for. If you eat three meals a day, that right there is three things to be thankful for. But if each of those meals has three ingredients for breakfast you eat a bagel a banana and orange juice so each of those meals has let's say three ingredients most of our meals have many many more than three ingredients but that gets you up to nine however many articles of clothing you happen to be wearing that gets you another several if you got here without a car accident if you got here in good health that is something to be thankful for If you have health generally, that is something to be thankful for, that you are enjoying from God a season of life in which you don't hurt all the time. But even if you're sick, that that too is something that falls under the category which Paul says to give thanks to God for. He says give thanks for all things at all times. And so that even when you find yourself in sickness, you can say, thank you, Lord. It may be difficult to say that. It may be difficult to find why Why would I give thanks for something like this. And, and yet, trusting God's wisdom, we can see that, no, God is using this in my life for good. And, and even now, mind renewed in Christ, it's something that I can give thanks to him for. You have a job. You have a salary. Each dollar 
that is held to you is your reason for thanksgiving. If you don't have a job, if you're unemployed, and if you're not sure where your uh, uh, source of finances are going to come from, that too is something to give thanks to God for. This is something that he has ordained in his providence and that he is going to sustain and support you through it. And through this, you also can give thanks to God. Or consider if you have sinned. Perhaps you've sinned a thousand times today. And you have a thousand mercies to thank God for. Because through Jesus Christ, he has forgiven us each of those sins. And so as we have our minds renewed, as we walk in wisdom, as we walk in the fear of the Lord, it changes us into a thankful people, ready to give thanks for anything, ready to give thanks for everything at every moment. The challenge for the Christian is to find something that we can't be thankful for. And if we find something that we can't be thankful for, then to thank God for that too, as we thank him for all things. Finally, another means by which we are filled with the Spirit is in verse 21, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Paul will develop this idea of submitting to one another in the following passages in the the so-called household code as he speaks of wives submitting to husbands as husbands lovingly um, caring for their wives, the mutual relationship between children and parents, slaves and masters, but but for this evening, and as we just consider verse 21, we can consider it within the context of, of the church, as we submit to one another, that this is the mark of a sage who is filled with the Spirit, somebody who is willing to give up his own or her own uh, preference to recognize that they have to savor the other person, and think more highly of the other person than themselves. This is the heart of Christ. As he was fully filled with the Holy Spirit, as he was guided by the Spirit in all things, that he, the second person of the Trinity, creator of the world, deserving of all worship and praise, looks on sinners, looks on you, and thinks of you more highly than himself going to a cross to die. Though he was God, not considering that equality, though he was uh, God equal with God, not considering that something to be grasped onto and and held and taken to his own advantage, but not taking advantage of that prerogative, becoming a servant, looking at his disciples' filthy, dirty feet, and taking on the garb of a slave, washing those filthy, dirty feet. And more, washing those disciples' filthy, dirty sins as he went to the cross for them. As he showed a, a, a submission of humility towards his own disciples. And now he has given us that same spirit with which he was filled, that uh, his own spirit he has now filled us with so that we too can adopt this, this mindset, which is the expression of what it is like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So congregation, we have before us uh, this call to be singing 
stages to submit to one another in the Lord. So let us seek then more and more to appreciate all that Christ has done for us, to, to uh, recognize, first of all, that he's brought us to be servants in his temple, that he has sanctified us, he has made us holy by his blood. But then he has also given us his spirit and he fills us with his spirit so that we can begin to adopt these practices singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs corporately together with one another and of giving thanks and of submitting to one another so that we might continue to worship our God rightly. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you have brought us nigh to yourself through your Son. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the sanctification that we who would otherwise be consumed by your holiness uh, have been made to serve in your temple and been given that task of singing and praising and worshiping you. We pray that you would fit us for that task more and more with each week. We ask that uh, there would be a song on our tongues, uh, not only this evening, but uh, throughout the week. We ask that there would be thankfulness on our tongues, that we would not be ungrateful, that we would not be blind to all of your mercies. We pray, Father, that you would help us to submit to one another in love, whether here in this congregation or within our own households, so that we might more and more display the life of Christ within us. We pray these things in his name. Amen. <laughs>